But when you do, you receive it. But then there's something you have to do. You have to keep speaking that. We're going to talk about what that means a little more today. But, uh, but we talked last week about our words. Our words have to be in line with what we prayed for and received. And we have to keep using our words in agreement with that in, in uh, words of thanks for it, praise, and, um, and speaking it into, you know, God gave us the creative power with our tongues. Um, there are scriptures uh, that we read last week about life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. And so uh, God left a lot of, he taught us a lot of things, gave us a lot of spiritual laws and principles, and then wants us to use them. And one of those is that your words spoken in faith, or let's say it a better way, God's words spoken out of your mouth in faith are just like when God speaks them out in faith because they're His words and we're agreeing with Him. And so there's power in your speaking God's word, just like there's power when God speaks God's word. He lives on the inside of you. So it's the same thing. So we have to speak His word over those things that we've believed and we've received. And when we do, we are the ones that are more or less, remember last week we compared it to the captain on the bridge of the luxury yacht? <laughs> You're the captain. <laughs> Y'all all remember that picture of the yacht that, that you were the captain of for a day last week? And so, uh, you know, you got to stay in control and, and take your authority as the, as the captain or else if you don't, we saw what happened when the captain goes to bed and the crew is not uh, in the same mindset as the captain and decided to do their own thing. What happens? The ship went off course and was headed for a terrible storm. And so when the captain woke up, he had to get the thing righted, right? He couldn't just say, oh my goodness, we're headed for a storm. What would I do? Well, you're the captain. Get up and take control. <laughs> Go up to the bridge and turn this thing around and get it back on course. And so God has given you the responsibility to be the captain of this ship he has for your life's mission, and, and it, he's got a lot invested in you. This is no cheap little dinghy. This is a luxury yacht he's given you, and he's invested what we would compare as to millions of dollars in this thing, and it's even way more than that. Think of, think of giving up your own only son to die. That's worth more than millions of dollars that it would cost uh, for a yacht. And he's, he's invested that in us, and he wants us to take that and take our authority, take our responsibility, and sail the course he's called us to go on in life. And so uh, we have to do something. <laughs> and we said sometimes it's worth fighting for. If you had a crew that was disobeying you as the captain, or you had a body that was part of the parts of your body are disobeying you as the captain, and God's word says that by his stripes you were healed, but your body's not acting like it, parts of it are rebelling against that, <laughs> then it's worth fighting for. Fight your way back up to the bridge and take control and say, now look here, body, <laughs> yacht, <laughs> you're going to line up with the course that I'm called to be on, and it's not my time. My, I've got more years to live. I haven't fulfilled my course, my mission yet. You're going to line up. I received my healing because Jesus paid for it. And by his stripes, it says I was healed. And so liver, 
you line up and you start functioning in the name of Jesus. So uh, that kind of leads us to, to where we are today. It, kind of a next step from what about your words is take a stand. Sometimes you have to take a stand. Remember at the end of that, of that um, scenario with the yacht last week, we ended up the, the, the lesson with, okay, you, you saw, you woke up, you saw the, the compass, you were off course, you looked out the portal and there's a horrible storm and you start, well, I've got I to get my britches on and make it up to the bridge and all the way the crew's trying to hinder you. Well, you've got you to gotta decide, is this thing worth it? Do I need to fight my way up there and take control? And so sometimes that means it takes, it takes a little uh, patience. It takes a little pushing through. And sometimes you've got to take a stand because they might, the majority might be against you. You know, last week we talked about the crew. Some of them were just trying to hinder because they're like, no, nah, there's more of us than him. We, we know where we want to go. We got, we got somewhere else to go than where the owner wanted us to go with this thing. And so sometimes you've got to take a stand and say, no, I'm taking my authority. I'm the captain. You guys want to be you know, tried for mutiny here when we get back? Or do you want to change your attitudes here and let's get this ship in the right direction? Do you see that storm coming there? You want to go through that? We might not make it. And so you have to point things out sometimes, take a stand, and be willing to um, have a little hardship to make it through. Uh, but the outcome is worth it. So um, anyway, turn to the book of James, chapter 5. And so, you know, throughout 2013, I don't know, you might have already seen the manifestation, manifestation to half your goal list here on the second week of February. So that's great. But if you have any yet that haven't come to pass, <laughs> you might have a need for patience. <laughs> You might need have a need for um, perseverance and speak in your faith a little longer <laughs> um, until we get to the last uh, service we have in December and you can share and celebrate your goals with us that are met, which we are going to do. Um, so anyway, if that's you for any of your goals, then let's look at what it says in verse, starting in verse 7 of James chapter 5. He says, um, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. So, one thing we're supposed to have is patience. Do you know patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? In Galatians 5.22, where it names the fruit of the Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit's in us and he's trying to grow a crop, one of the fruit he's trying to bear in us is patience. I think there's a reason for that. I think it's not just so we can say, oh, I, I'm a bountiful tree. I grow all kinds of fruit for the Lord. Well, there's a reason for these different fruits you're supposed to be growing. You're going to need them. And so patience is one of them. And so you're supposed to, to be growing and having and using patience. Now, the question is, well, how long? So, um, I'm trying to think. There was some story about a little kid about having patience, but I forget exactly how it goes, so I won't tell it. But it was something about, well, I can have patience, but, but as long as I, <laughs> something about it, uh, as long as I can have it right now or something like that. <laughs> well, it doesn't work that way. So, how long are you supposed to, to be willing uh, and able to use your patience? For a couple of months, 
well, at least to the end of 2013, right? Well, I think it says beyond that, till the coming of the Lord. <laughs> he might come this year, but if he doesn't, we're supposed to have patience until he comes. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't expect the things we're believing for to come before then, but there's going to be other things once these th goals are met. There's going to be other things. You're going to continue to need patience until the coming of the Lord. So until you go to be with him or until he comes to take us all back, one way or the other, we're supposed to use patience until that time, right? So that's how long you're supposed to use it. And then it compares it to the farmer. Anybody relate to the farmer? <laughs> I know the sisters here can relate. So the farmer waits for what? The precious produce for the for the crop, right? The fruit of what he's planted, what he's expecting, and here it calls it precious produce. Do you know? Uh, and I know y'all know this that when you took all the time to plant back in your farming days, and you think of a farmer now, if you know one, ones that grow crops. Some of them grow cattle, so you don't have to plant them, but you do have to take care of them. But um, what you, you're doing all that not just to say, well, this is my job, so i got to have something to do, so I just go out and plant corn and seed for, you know, 100 acres. No, you're doing it for a reason, right? The, the whole goal is for the harvest, to get the produce, okay? And so here he's calling it precious produce. Why is that so precious? Because you invested your, your money, your time, your effort, and your faith in this stuff for how many months until it grows something that you can take and pick and harvest and go and exchange that for what money and means you're going to need to live off of. And so that's precious. You have invested your life into it. So when that fruit comes, when, those, when that corn grows or that wheat or whatever it is, cotton, tomatoes, whatever it is, um, well, some things are more precious than others. But anyway, I guess even tomatoes are if you're growing them. But um, that's precious produce. You value that. You take care of it. When the crops come in the field, you don't just say, well, we'll, we'll pick them if we feel like it. No, you better because that's how you're going to get your money for the year. And so it's an important thing and it's valued. So the question you can ask yourself looking at this from the, the faith side is, what does your seed produce? What does your faith produce? Is it precious to you? When you've sown your seeds of faith, when you've prayed your prayers of faith, when we, when we prayed, in, in our example, when we prayed over these goals, is it precious to you or did you just go through the exercise just to have something to do uh, or just to have something to fill in on your paper for the year? <laughs> Was it, what is it going to produce? Is, is it precious produce to you? And then it says about the farmer, it goes on to say in verse 7 there, it says, he's being patient about it. How many farmers do you know or did have you known that will go out and plant a hundred acres of cotton and then at the end of the week they go out there and stand in the field and they walk around and say where's the cotton <laughs> I planted this stuff three days ago where is it 
I'm tired of this stuff. Man, I planted, I spent all these, these hours planting this seed. Now, where is that cotton? Is it going to grow that fast? <laughs> it's going to require patience. And so you can't be an impatient faith farmer <laughs> because some things are going to take some time. Some things are not totally in your control. Even though you may be exercising faith over it, you're going to have to, to uh, work with some other people. You're going to have to also work with the Holy Spirit as He leads and guides you where you need to go and what you need to be doing and who you need to meet and who you need to talk to along the way to get your harvest. And so, you know, not many smart farmers will go plant their crops and then say, in two weeks, well, nothing happened. I'm going to dig all this stuff up and plant something that will grow. <laughs> you got to wait. <laughs> you, gotta, you don't know what's going on under the dirt down there, but something is going on. And so you've got to wait for the natural course of things sometimes to start happening. And it may be happening even if you can't see it with your natural eyes. But if you have, if you have received by faith and you're exercising your spiritual eyes of faith, you know something's happening in that ground before you actually see it popping out. But you know, everybody, especially kids, when they first get involved in growing something the first time, it, when they do first see that little bit of green stuff popping out, a crack in the ground, they get really excited, don't they? And usually what happens when they see that? Then they come out tomorrow, like if they planted watermelons, then they come out tomorrow because they saw this thing coming out of the ground today and they come out there tomorrow thinking they're going to go out there and see a watermelon on the ground. <laughs> but you know what? Even when you first see the first sign of something happening in the natural, you still got to be patient, right? Hang in there because it's still going to take a little more patience, a little more time sometimes, a little more work. And so you got to hang in there. But there's another aspect to it. It says... Um, He's being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. And so um, you need the rain, right? You can plant the crops and have the best cultivated dirt that there ever. It could be fine like powder, right? But what happens if it never rains? Nothing. There isn't going to be nothing happening under the ground down there like we were just talking about a few minutes ago if it doesn't have some moisture. And it takes some moisture after it's planted, right? And so uh, you need the early and the late rain. You know you need both. You don't just need rain. The early rain is the rain that comes or the, the watering that comes close after the seed is sown. You got to have, you, you know, sometimes we'll put, when we plant flowers sometimes, we go ahead and put water in there with the seed. But when you plant, farmers plant crops of, of, of seed, I mean, uh, fields of seed, you know, they don't always have the means to go water, but they're hoping for shortly having some rain. In fact, you plant it in a season where it's apt to rain so that something will happen with that seed down there. And hopefully there's a little bit of moisture already in the dirt that'll help help that process to start, but you hope that shortly there's going to be some rain. And so that's the early rain. But then you also, is that going to be enough if the seed gets some moisture on it for it to make a big plant or whatever and produce fruit? No, it's going to have to have some rain throughout the season. And so you also need the late rain. 
In fact, you really need the rain uh, along the way, but you really need it before the fruit starts bearing so that it will have the moisture it needs to, to produce that, that big, uh, juicy tomato. Now, that's hard for me to imagine, but, <laughs> but that big tomato or, or, that, or that nice full-grown ear of corn. It needs some rain near the fruit-producing part of the season. It needs the late rain. And so you can't say, well, I just like early rain. I don't like late rain. Well, you're not going to have a good crop. And you could just say, well, you know, I don't like muddy fields when I'm going out having to hoe or cultivate, so I don't like the early rain. I just want the late rain when the, when the thing's already grown. You know it'll never get there. you got to have both, the early and the late rain. And so your, your, uh, for your crop to produce, it depends on, for that precious produce, it depends on both the early and the late rain. Well, in our situation where we're talking about using our faith, our words are the rain. Our words are the watering on our seed of faith that we planted. And our crop that we receive by faith, it depends on us watering it until we actually see it manifest, right? And the way you water it is with your words. And words can... can can go a couple of different ways, but the good words over your seed of faith are like the early and the late rain. And so the early rain is when you plant your, your seed of faith, when you've set your goal and you prayed a prayer over it and you believed you received. And when you believed you received, remember when we prayed and dedicated our goals and we believed we received, we went ahead right then and started thanking God for it, right? That's the early rain. But now just like the, like the crops we just talked about and the farmer, you can't just have the early rain. So two months from now, when you don't see anything happening on that goal being met, <laughs> or three months from now, and the devil comes and says, that stuff doesn't work. God doesn't want to give you that. Or, or the Word doesn't really promise that. You can't believe for that. You better start getting out the lighter rain <laughs> and start saying, no, devil. <laughs> the Word of God is true, just like it was three months ago. And I believed I received because the Holy Spirit uh, showed me what I needed to believe for. And the Word is true. If I don't see anything happening, I know it's going on underground somewhere. And so I thank God I received, and I thank you, Jesus, that I have the manifestation of what I believe for. I thank you for that, that debt being paid, or I thank you for that family member that's going to come to know you, or I thank you for uh, whatever it was he called you to do, uh, upset a church building, <laughs> okay? And so you just keep on watering your garden because it needs it throughout the whole season. You need the late rain. And sometimes, remember what we went through in December and November when we said, you know, we, I hope we hadn't let dust collect on, where's mine, on my, on my well, I have my new one, my goals for, for 2012. I better get them back out because, you know, even though it's November <laughs> and even though I might not have but one or two met yet, is it, any, is it ever too late for God? No. And you know what? We saw some of our goals met in December and 
we weren't discouraged for the ones that weren't met, but we didn't give up. We said, you know, if there's a day left, <laughs> if there's an hour left, they can, there's still a possibility for them to be met. And, you know, if they weren't, that's no great tragedy. You just move them on over to next year. But, but we're believing, and you know what? We had some met in December. In fact, we had one, as you all well know, met on the December the 31st. <laughs> So, but, but what if we would have said on December the 1st, well, it's been 11 months. If nothing's happened now, it isn't going to happen in the next 30 days. We'll just give up on it. Would we have had our goal met if that would have been the case? No. And, and in fact, I'm thinking of the church as an example, the building. Um, we had been looking for several months. And in fact, the realtor had been looking for us for probably a month or more. And couldn't even get people to call him back. We could have just said, well, you know what? I guess God just doesn't mean for us to have a place for a while. Would, would we have ha signed that lease on the 31st if that would have happened? No. In fact, we still wouldn't have had one. But if that's what God's called you to do, you believe. You believe if it's 1159 on the 31st. You keep believing. So what's your choice? E even if it's... Even if it's 12.01 on the 1st, are you going to stop believing? No. You keep on believing. And so you need the late rain. And so you need to keep standing and saying, No, I don't care if the whole year has gone by and this goal hadn't been met. I believed I received and that it is mine and I'm going to have it. And so uh, you've got to have late rain, just like the farmer does. So... Uh, thank the Lord for farmers because they can teach us a lot. But then it goes on to say, it says in verse 8, you too be patient. So you too be patient. And it says, strengthen your hearts. Do you know sometimes you can get a little bit of, you can get a little uh, weak feeling about your faith. And, and like, well, you know, maybe I missed it. Or, you know, I've gone through this and, and this, you know, I, I was, you know, I fell sick or I had this problem to deal with. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not always for me to be, to be well, to be healed. Maybe, maybe God doesn't really mean that for me. Maybe it's because I hadn't been good. I've been ugly uh, some in my life or I've done this or that. You know, it's not, it's not anything you can do to earn it. It's a free gift, remember? And so... Jesus paid for you before you were paid for it for you before you were even born. So it couldn't have anything to do with what you do. So strengthen your heart, strengthen your believing. Sometimes you got to just just say, you know what? My faith's a little weak right now, and I have kind of let slip uh, my uh, level of the Word of God. My tank is about one quarter, <laughs> and it's getting close to empty. And so sometimes we get that way, don't we? And we have to be reminded, you know, I need to spend some time in God's Word and reading His promises back to myself and filling my tank back up because I'm getting low. And so you need to strengthen your heart sometimes. Okay? You know, if, if, um, if you went to the, to the doctor and he said, you know, your, your um, heart is beating a little fast and... And you're, you're not getting enough exercise. You know, you need to work your heart out a little more. That's what we call aerobic exercise, where it, where it gets your heart rate up a little. 
and, you, and it works at a higher rate. And the more it does that, because your heart's a muscle, uh, it's like working out any other muscle. Then it gets a little stronger, you know, over time when you do that. So, you know, a lot of people take up some sort of exercise throughout life. Uh, at different stages, they might do different kinds of exercise, but it's to keep your heart strengthened. So we do that in the physical. Why shouldn't we do that in the spiritual as well? Sometimes, you, you know, you can, you can get a little weak. You need to strengthen, strengthen your heart so that you can uh, uh, be patient and believe for your crop to come in. And another thing it says in here is do not complain. How many times do we find ourselves complaining? Do you know that complaining is just like digging up your seed? It's like when, the, when that, that uh, stupid farmer I talked about that went out there and looked for cotton the next week after he planted it and say, well, I don't, this cotton's not working. I bet the seed's bad. I'm going to go out here and dig all this stuff up and plant something else. <laughs> well, that's the same thing as complaining. When you complain and get critical and you, you're complaining about, well, it just, you know, I know God, His favor's on some people, but it's just not on me. Things just don't work as good for me. It just takes longer. I, I don't seem to get it as quick as everybody else does or whatever. You are digging up your seed. Do you know seed that keeps getting dug up, even if you replant it, <laughs> you're losing time, you're losing traction. It's going to take longer for the fruit to get produced. You've got to keep that seed in the ground and let it work. Your part is to keep watering it. Keep, keep your words watering it with the, with the rain on it. And strengthen your heart so you have uh, the, the, the strength and the courage to go out there and keep watering it and standing in faith on it. Don't complain. Don't complain. Even if you have good reason to complain. If all your circumstances are bad. Do you know what? You don't have to be under the circumstances. Rise above the circumstances by faith and say, you know what? This may be bad right now, but I'm going to get through this because God's word and what Jesus did for me promises me better than this. And so I'm going to release my faith and exercise my faith. I'm going to plant me some good seed. I'm going to start watering it and I'm going to receive me a better harvest. And so things can change. So then it goes on to say, um, don't complain. It says, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Uh, as an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. You know, if you read about a lot of the prophets, a lot of them, they, they had a lot of persecution. The, particularly, it's talking about here, I think, the Old Testament prophets. Uh, Zechariah, Isaiah, all these guys, a lot of them were tortured or or beaten, um, one of them was sawn into <laughs> in the end. Uh, but do you know what? Most of them saw the manifestation of what God called them to do. Now, God hasn't called us to, to, to live a life like that. In fact, we have a different covenant now. <laughs> but we still may have to suffer. You know, He may call you to go, to go on a mission somewhere, <laughs> across town to talk to your friends. <laughs> Or he might call you to go to a foreign country for a few weeks and minister. And sometimes there's some hardships that go along with that. But we're not believing for the hardships, we, we're, but we have to be willing to endure them. But we're believing for the outcome. And so even if you're going through some hardships, 
Don't, be, don't set your faith that that's where I'm going to end up. Set your faith on beyond that to what God's called you to do and where he's called you to go. And, and, but, but be willing that if a little suffering comes along the way, I'm going to push through this because I have patience, because I'm strengthening my heart, and because I know if I keep watering my crop and standing on my faith, I'm going to get that precious produce. And so you keep standing and you, you go through the suffering. Um, sometimes you have to do without a little bit until your faith produces or you see the manifestation of what you're believing for. You know, some people are not willing to do without. When, they, when there's something they're believing for, you know, if it doesn't come through the way it takes to get it by faith, they'll go out and make it happen. Well, let's just go out and borrow the money and let's make it happen. <laughs> or let's, let's go and send letters out to, let's see, let's do the math. If we send uh, letters out to a thousand people and statistics say that 3% respond, then we'll get, uh, how many responses is that? So, <laughs> 30. <laughs> and if 30 will give X number of dollars, then I'll have exactly what I need. So, you, you know. If God calls you to do that, it's fine, but don't go figuring it out on your own and try to make something happen. Be willing to do without and get it by faith. And so that might mean doing without it a little bit longer, but when it comes, you're going to be getting it by faith and not by something you did that you... Now, you have to do some things. You might have to work. You might have to keep speaking your faith. You might have to stand firm, show some patience. But I'm talking about going out and helping God out, you know, like Sarah did before Isaac came. Well, let's help God out. So let's go get somebody that'll help Abraham to have a, have a baby. And, and they birthed an Ishmael and they've been paying for it ever since. So, you know, you don't, God doesn't need to be helped out. Just stick in with what his word says and you focus more on what you do to do that and it'll come uh, as quickly as you can get it there. Um, some people are not willing to suffer any ridicule because, you know, if word got out among their friends that they're one of these people who, who, one of these faith people, then they might get criticized and say, that's just weird. We don't do that when we, at our church. <laughs> or or I don't, we don't believe in, in God. You know, maybe they, probably, maybe they don't go to church. We don't believe in God. We just believe if you need something, you got to work hard. It's all about hard work, man. Just work hard and you can have whatever you want. So, you know, you, this faith stuff you're talking about, that's just weird. Okay. Well, sometimes you've got to be willing to suffer a little persecution, a little ridicule. Because, you know, God's never been popular. <laughs> he, he, he's uh, never changed, though, even though societies change, cultures change. Things that he says sometimes go in and out of fashion. It doesn't matter to him. And so we have to be the same way. It doesn't matter. If everybody around me thinks I'm a nut... I'm going to do what the Word says to do because I'm not interested in pleasing them. I'm interested in pleasing Him. And so we've got to be willing to suffer a little persecution, a little ridicule sometimes. Then it says, um, we count those blessed who endured. And so you've got to consider enduring as a blessing. A lot of people will say, well, it's more blessed to get something immediately. You know, we live in the microwave society. <laughs> so I got to have it right now. If I want coffee, I want to <laughs> stick a hot water in the microwave, and in one minute I can put my coffee powders in to stir it up, and I got coffee. 
<laughs> instead of waiting for the pot to brew and it take about 10 minutes. Or if, if I want to eat, I want to go through the drive-in window. <laughs> I don't even want to have to get out of my car and go in and stand in line. Man, I want to go through the drive-in window. I want to be the first one up. I don't want to be another car in front of me. And as soon as I get to the, the window, I want them there to take my money. And then when I get to the second window, I want them there with the bag handing out the window. Isn't that the kind of culture we live in? But, you know, it doesn't always work that way. We've got to consider enduring as a blessing. Do you know that when we have to stand on your faith, it works what? Patience. <laughs> and the more patience you have, the stronger person you're going to be. And so enduring is a blessing when you look back because you can say, you know what? I went through this circumstance and that circumstance to get the manifestation of this goal or this thing that I was believing for or this healing or whatever it was. And so next time, I know that if something bigger is thrown at me, I can stand through that too. And so because I endured over here, I know I can endure over here when I have something else i got to stand for. So it's a blessing when you endure. It, it's how you practice your faith. And then it says, you've heard of the endurance of Job. And we have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, and the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. So Job, uh, consider Job as a good example of enduring. And um, it says, of, because the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. So it's God's nature and his will for you to receive what, what he has for you. So let's consider Job for a minute. Um, you know, God said that to the, to the devil. He said, have you considered my servant Job? Let's go back to Job in your Old Testament, back there before Psalms and Proverbs and, and uh, near the first half of your Old Testament. And look at the, the last chapter because it says the outcome of Job. Let's see what was the outcome. If you look in chapter 42... Starting at verse 10, it tells you what the outcome of Job was. Now, everybody always talks about Job. Well, you know, Job, he endured all these terrible things. And so we've got to be willing to, to lose it all for God. Yeah, I, yeah, you do have to be willing. But that wasn't the outcome of Job. Most people forget that part. They forget the last chapter. And look at, look at verse 10. It says... The Lord, who, who did it? The Lord. Okay, don't forget that part. The Lord restored the fortunes. Uh, did that say fortune? Plural. There's an S on the end, right? Fortunes. The Lord did it, right? The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord increased, doesn't that mean like with a plus sign, not, not tuck away? The Lord increased all that Job had, period. No, there's another word there. Twofold. He had twice as much as he had before. And Job had a fortune before. He was one of the richest men on earth at that time, according to the legends and the story. And his outcome was 
God gave him fortunes in the plural, and it was at least twice as much as he had when this whole thing started when he was one of the richest men on earth. Okay? Now, there was a lot of things that went on in between. There's a lot of things Job learned. There's a lot of things his friends got wrong. And a lot of people quote passages out of Job that are the friends telling stuff. Anything that the friends say to Job, don't quote any of that as the truth. All of that is to, tell, is to show you when God comes and talks to them at the end how wrong they were. So don't just pick a verse out of Job. You've got to be careful with Job. But the, the important thing about the book of Job is not only to read the beginning and what happened and what his friends said that was all a bunch of, we'd say malarkey, <laughs> but get to the end. Read the end of the story. And it says, Then all his brothers and all his sisters and all who had known him before came to him, and they ate bread with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversities that the Lord had brought on him. Now again, you have to take this in the light of the old covenant and how God related to men and the, and the devil related to God because the devil came and said, What if I go deal with Job? You got your hand on him so I couldn't touch him. The Lord says, I, I'm, not, I'm not protecting him. He's a, he's a good man because he loves me and he's a righteous man. You know, there's no special covering on him more than anybody else. You know, you, you know you're free to go to and fro the out the earth. Read the, read the first chapter. you see it for yourself. But it says, And each one gave him one piece of money and each a ring of gold. And the Lord, who did it? The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen. Now, if you had 6,000 camels, I understand those things are stubborn <laughs> and mean. You better have at least 6,000 <laughs> guys working to help control those things. So for all these uh, cattle and stuff it's quoting here that he has, don't you think he had tons and tons of workers to take care of this stuff? So 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen, that means 2,000, right? Because a yoke is at least two. And 1,000 female donkeys, and he had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first one Jemima, and the second Keziah, and the third Kering, however you say that, Hapuk. And in all the land, no women were found so fair as Job's daughters. And their father gave them inheritance among their brothers. And that was unusual. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and grandsons four generations. And Job died an old man and full of days. When he was about to die here right before this. And he got 140 more years, saw four generations, had uh, seven what does it say? Seven, seven sons and three. I had ten more children, and the most beautiful daughters that he had as an older man than he had as a younger man, and had all this cattle, and all this wealth and riches. And is it all about the wealth and riches? No, it's about learning in here the nature of God for Job. Job was a rich man already. He knew how to get it, and he lost it. But also, God blessed him. The devil, what the devil took away and tried to do to get Job to curse God didn't work. And on the other hand, when Job did what God asked him to do, God's favor was upon him 
and God blessed him and caused the favor of all these other people to come on him such that he was twice as blessed as he was before. Now that, you see in that, when you go back over to James and it says, think of the endurance of Job and think of the outcome of Job. See, what James is trying to get across to us is, and he goes on to say, of the, of the uh, what does it say there, the compassion and the mercifulness of God. See, a lot of people have the wrong picture of God. He's some, you know, ancient, decrepit, old, long, white-bearded guy in a, in a dark navy blue robe throwing lightning bolts down out of, at people out of heaven. If that's your picture of God, you need a new picture because that is not a loving, as it says here, compassionate and merciful Heavenly Father. And people say, well, God changed from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. No, He didn't. <laughs> the covenant changed, but God didn't change. Was God not compassionate and merciful to Job? With the way Job and his friends talked, they could have been toast <laughs> if God was not merciful because they were, especially the friends, they were accusing Job of untruth and God and Job was beginning to question whether God was, was being righteous to him. And God could have just said, I'm fed up with the, with the whole lot of them. I don't have to put up with this. And, and he could have lightning bolted them or toasted them. But God was compassionate and merciful on Job. Instead, he just came down and said, where were you when I created the earth? Let me explain the context of things here. You're down here. You don't understand. Your mind, your little peanut brain can't understand near what's going on. But you don't have to. Just know what the my word says, what the truth. You read those last three, three or four chapters of Job, you'll see how God straightened them all out. And But in the end, was he not compassionate and merciful? Even on the three evil friends, he asked Job to pray for them so they wouldn't get, uh, you know, stay on the wrong side of, of God and his word. And so God is has never changed. He's always been compassionate and merciful. But enduring through some circumstances sometimes is what you have to do to see the result of your faith. But don't settle down in the circumstance and say, well, you know, it must be God's will for me to suffer through. No, it's God's will for you to be willing to suffer through whatever you have put yourself through or your, or your lack of understanding has put you through or what other people without any control of you have put you through. It's God's will that you keep on going through any suffering or whatever to keep your eye on your goal and keep focused on that till you get it. And so that's what God's compassion is for, is for you to end up with an outcome that he has in mind for you. He had in mind for Job to be even better off than he was from the moment the devil approached him about Job. He was not happy with Job being the richest man on earth. He wanted him to be twice the richest man on earth. And so you got to look at your, you got to look at God that way. He is such a good, loving, caring heavenly Father that he's too good to be true almost. And that's, that's what we've got to understand about it. So many people don't understand his true nature. His true nature is goodness. The Bible says that only good comes, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights from above. And, and there's, there is no variableness nor shadow of turning with him. He can't be good today and then mean at you tomorrow. <laughs> he doesn't change. And if he was 
compassionate and merciful on Job thousands of years ago. He hadn't changed. He's no different to you today in 2013. So anyway, Job is a good example and a, and a good example of how we need to believe for an outcome. And so we're going to go to Ephesians, but we're going to stop and pick it up next week. But I want you just to flip to Ephesians because we hadn't even gotten to our theme verse and I want you to see that, and then we'll come back next week and finish this up, I believe, unless, unless we do it in two weeks, if the Lord has something for us next week different. But um, in Ephesians 6, and next week we'll come back to verse 10, but it says in verse, um, the end of verse 13 and the beginning of 14, it says, And having done everything to stand firm, Stand firm, therefore. So, we've talked today about some of the things that it takes to take a stand for what you're believing for, to take a stand of faith, to take a stand on the Word of God. It's you got to be like a farmer. You got to have patience. You got to have endurance. You got to you got to water your crops. You got to consider. The, the harvest and the produce that you're going for as precious, something that's worth fighting for, something that's worth working for, something that's worth suffering some ridicule or some persecution over. And you've got to be willing to be thankful that where there's times where you have to endure because it's going to make you stronger. All of that, but it says, having done all to stand firm, then what you got to do? If you've done it all, then what do you do? You stand firm, and you just keep standing. And so we'll come back to that next week, and we'll talk a little more detail about that, about what standing firm means and what having done everything actually means. Um, so we'll pick that up the next time. But think about, as this week goes on, and, and you need to uh, speak some words of faith over one or more of your goals, or it doesn't have to be your goals. Something might come up this week that's an attack on you, uh, either in relationship or, or in your finances or in your, in your health. You have a choice to make every time something like that comes, some sort of circumstance. You have a choice. And the choice is, am I going to give in to that? Or am I going to be defeated by that? Or am I going to use my faith? And if I am... I'm going to have to take a stand. I'm going to have to get my scriptures out. I'm going to have to, to pray with what the scripture says and receive it. And I may have to get it out and I might have to walk through the house and quote it to the devil <laughs> and say, look here, you keep battling my mind and you keep throwing this stuff at me. Let me tell you something. <laughs> In fact, you could just say, how about we go over to Revelation, devil? And this is when you, in, you, you get in your prayer closet or in your, if you're in the house alone, say, how about me read to you what your outcome is? <laughs> Let's go to the end of Revelation and see where you get thrown in the pit. How about that? And then, and then say, but let me read you about my outcome. My outcome says that by his stripes I was healed. My outcome says that he took my poverty so that I might have his riches. My outcome says, and you go on and just read him scriptures of what the word says about you and what you have in this inheritance we have in Christ Jesus. 
pretty soon you'll probably see the traffic starting to slow down in your mind that he's bringing across your thoughts, these bad things and how it's all going to get worse and happen and you're going to have terrible tragedy and all this stuff. You get your mind on the Word and those thoughts won't have any place in your mind and the things he's throwing at you, he's going to see that it's not going to work. 